The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you interested in changing a part of your life? Whether it's finances, relationships, reducing stress, or just personal health, sometimes just changing a few small things can bring great rewards. Welcome to Moving Forward, Wellness One Step at a Time with Dr. Serena Wadwa. We'll provide possible steps you need to see these improvements. All we ask is that you try them out. Now, here is Dr. Serena Wadwa. All right, and welcome to our show today. It is a bright and sunny day, and we've got a bright and sunny guest today. This is Dr. Kimberly Lemke, and she's a licensed child and adolescent clinical psychologist. She's a private practice in one of the suburbs in Illinois um, and has written a book Uh, called I Just Don't Get My Parents Rules. So she's here, which is a children's book, and she's here to talk with us about parenting and expectations and, you know, just all things related to that. So welcome, and thanks so much for coming on today's show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So let's just kind of jump right into into this, you know, because as I was reading and as we had um, a previous conversation, I I really liked some of the um, analogies and information pieces that that you brought up. And you know, before we get to some of that, can you describe to the listeners your how you conceptualize or how you see parental wellness? Sure, parental wellness is mostly about awareness, that if we can just take a moment and just take a picture of where we're at emotionally and mentally, we just tend to start out our day better and structure our day better. So people who know me know that I'm a very visual learner. So I often think of it as uh, each person having their own iced tea pitcher, uh, lemonade pitcher, margarita pitcher, depending on whatever it is you like. I know, that's, that's the good one. Um, and so, so what I tend to think about is if you visualize that, then what we have to do is we have to visualize that the liquid in it is kind of how um, much stress and how much emotions we're carrying with us for that day. Uh, so the one thing that I always tell people that they have to understand is that they only get one pitcher. Um, they can't, no matter how persuasive, have multiple pictures. Um, <laughs> I know, I know. Um, so you, you get one picture and, and the size is, is standard. So, um, you know, all of us kind of have a universal size standard um, picture and then we kind of have to look at what is in that picture and what our day kind of starts out with. So when, when you conceptualize wellness in terms of parental wellness, you're talking about when a parent wakes up in the morning to look at what, where they're at in terms of this picture, mentally and emotionally, how full it is. Correct. Okay. Correct. And, and, and part of, of what, what helps kind of further clarify this idea is, if you think about um, 
possibly before children. So before children, you know, typically we're more responsible just for ourselves. So, you know, maybe it's just getting ourselves up for work or, you know, going to college or going to school. And so our picture might start off maybe, maybe a quarter full. So we go through our day, and, and let's say, you know, we're um, at school and um, we have an exam or we have to study. Um, you can see how the stress is just going to start adding into that picture, and it's going to start increasing and increasing. So let's say, um, let's say for example, you get to um, your exam and you realize you've studied for the wrong exam. Um, you can sense that that picture is going to start increasing, um, and therefore kind of the level of stress is going to increase. When it comes to parents, typically my feeling is that we start off already kind of a halfway. Like from the moment we wake up, we're almost already about halfway full. The reason is is that most parents, when we go to bed at night or even in the morning, there's a part of us that, that's aware that we're still responsible for another being. And so, so what that means is, let's say there was a child who had a, a rough night's sleep. Um, that adds into our picture because we are going to be up with that child. Um, and so, you know, again, if we've had, let's say, a nice evening where maybe we had a date night and um, we have help coming in the next day, um, for some strange reason our children have listened to us this day, um, <laughs> whatever it might be. Um, what? Then, I know, I know. That does not happen often, though, <laughs> at all. Um, but, but what happens is that once we start to, to get that feeling, then, you know, our picture might be half full. Uh, and if that's the case, we can take on more stressors in that day. So possibly, you know, we've had a good night's sleep, possibly we had date night the night before. Our kids are, for some reason, acting uh, according to our rules. Then maybe we do pick up a phone call uh, and from a friend who typically is, is more of a draining friend. Or p- maybe we, you know, have a conversation with uh, an employer that we were hesitating having a conversation with because we just have more room in our picture uh, to be able to do that. If you think of it on the other end, if let's say you have a child who is up all night, um, you know, getting they're sick or, or you're up with them or they're crying or um, let's say you've been up doing feedings or whatever it might be, um, and let's say you also for some reason um, just for yourself just felt like, oh, I, I just did a really poor parenting job yesterday or um, you know, there's so many things I wanted to do that I didn't do or, or you had guilt or whatever it is, then, then you wake up the next morning and, and you're probably already about three quarters full. And so if you can picture that, then what that means is that I need to use that image of my picture and then decide what the rest of my day is going to look like. So on a day that I've been up all night the night before, let's say I'm not feeling well, let's say if just for some reason I'm <clears throat> feeling stressed out about something or um, guilty about something or just like I'm not being a good parent, then what I need to do is I need to just have a low-key day and, and just have limited expectations for myself. And, and the key is not lowering your expectations. It, it's just having realistic expectations. So to say, you know what, I have a three-quarter picture full of stress and emotions. Um, if it gets to the top, it overflows, and then I feel overwhelmed, I feel stressed, um, I, I, I just kind of, you know, check out. Um, and so when you're that close to the top, then really the key is you just have to allow yourself that day to just kind of have a low-key day. Try not to take on too many other stressors. I would probably avoid grocery stores. Um, you know, I, I would avoid, you know, friends who, when you're out with them, are, are what you feel is like the perfect parents. Um, and I would just allow yourself just to kind of be you and, and do you that day. 
You know, so there's a lot of different things that you mentioned in there because it sounds like, I mean, this analogy of a, of a pitcher makes it very clear. Um, and it sounds like, you know, for listeners out there, I mean, one thing that you're suggesting, and I think that, and, and maybe you can offer this as an example, is that most parents may not really take the time to kind of figure out wh- where they're at in, in any given morning. Absolutely. Um, okay, so, so this is something that you've actually seen in clinical practice. Absolutely. I've I, I seen in clinical practice. I'm a, a, a mother of three-and-a-half-year-old twins, so, um, so I get it. <laughs> so I, I, I try to, to, to walk the walk and talk the talk because I, I, I get the stress of this to, completely. Um, and, and I do. I think just the... Just the awareness of yourself as a parent um, is just so key because as long as you can set kind of realistic expectations for yourself and know where your stress level is, it just it just makes the days go by that much smoother with the understanding that the days aren't going to be smooth, but just possibly smoother. Well, and I think that's key is that recognizing that you are going to feel some stress uh, and at the same time, there are ways that it doesn't have to be completely overwhelming. Absolutely. I mean, and, you know, of course, that margarita pitcher analogy might be useful some days. Right. (laughs) The iced tea lemonade pitcher might be useful other days. Absolutely. Or a combination of all. (laughs) All a combination of all. Um, You know, but the other point that you made in there, too, which I think um, is is interesting, is this concept of um, the word that you used was allowing. Um, yep. Like when when like a parent re- uh, recognizes that, you know, the night before that, you know, they've been up, let's say, most of the night with their child because they've been sick or the child had nightmares or whatever the case may be. And so the parent has been up and they wake up in the morning and they're feeling, you know, obviously more tired than usual or more fatigued or just more irritable because they haven't gotten enough sleep and and just allowing themselves not to go to the grocery store that day or allowing themselves not to be a perfect parent or allowing themselves not to hang out with perfect parents. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the notorious perfect parent, which I have yet yes. to meet, but absolutely. <laughs> yes. I mean, there isn't such a thing? What? <laughs> no, no. Behind closed doors, you get a very different view of, of, of kind of parenting, but but the truth is a lot of parents, you know, we see, you know, a neighbor next door who's, you know, always doing arts and crafts, uh, you know, with, with her kids. And then we look at ourselves and we say, gosh, I don't, I don't even like him to paint in my house because it's a super mess. Um, and, and within that thought, then we begin judging ourselves as a parent and we begin thinking, wow, like well, I should be more like this parent and, and what's wrong and, and I'm doing this wrong. And, um, and then just a whole lot of guilt and, and shame and um, anger come for that because, then we feel like we're failing as a parent, um, and then it's very hard to, to have that feeling and still be able to go about your day and um, be able to kind of teach your kids and, and be with your kids and, and and feel like you're having a good day. And you know, and that's a, and I think that's a really great topic too that I I, I want to come back to and and you know just to kind of jump back to this concept of of allowing yourself what you know this this notion of being able to allow yourself to not to not have to 
go to the grocery store, to not yeah. have to be the perfect parent. What what can you suggest to listeners who who struggle with that? Because I think that is a really common thing for a lot of parents that they feel, well, I have to go to the grocery store. I have to, you know, do this, even though I didn't get enough sleep or whatever the case may be. I have to bake the 32 cupcakes tonight or, you know, right. I can't buy them at the store. What What do you suggest for that? Well, I think a parent has to look at the reason as to what's making it hard for them to allow themselves a, a down day or um, not even a down day, but just kind of some permission to, you know, not go shopping or, or permission to allow their kids to watch, you know, a, a couple shows on, on TV without guilt or, you know, a, allowing a parent to, um, you know, just go outside with kind of yoga pants and a T-shirt and, and not feel like they have to, you know, be all dressed up at the park and things like that. Uh, and typically, you know, what happens is that, you'll notice that we just kind of have internalized um, beliefs about what a good parent is. And that internalized belief is then what allows us not to do things. So if, if I have either from, you know, family or friends or, you know, society, if, if I believe that, you know, a good parent cooks 36 muffins, um, I clearly I don't cook because I don't even know how many <laughs> muffins are in a pan, but <laughs> if let's say it's 36, um, you know, then part of what happens is that my expectation is that I do that. And so if I allow myself not to, then I have to deal with the disappointment um, in myself. And we don't like to feel disappointed in ourselves. It, it feels really bad. So, so to avoid doing that, we try not to disappoint ourselves or disappoint others, but in doing that, we kind of fill that picture too high, and then once it's too high, we actually just shut down. And then, and then not only is there no baking 36 cupcakes, but, but there's you know, less of a desire to eat or you know, not even wanting to throw something in, in, in the microwave or cook anything because we've drained ourselves so much by not allowing ourselves you know, the permission you know, to just you know, kind of relook at our expectations for ourselves. Um, and, and then, it, unfortunately, if we do that too often, trying to avoid being uncomfortable, then, then we do shut down. And, uh, and on that note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health and Wellness. How is your health? Do you want to know more about it? Every day there are new technologies, procedures, and healing techniques coming forward. To understand them, tune in to Speaking of Health with Dr. Michael Cudlis. Our guests come from different backgrounds in the fields of health and healing. We'll discuss new realities and modalities, from chiropractic to metagenics. It's all designed to improve your quality of life. Speaking of Health is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Take charge of your fitness and take charge of your healthy life. Listen for Be Fit for Life with your host, Chad Austin. Think back over the past week, the past month, the past years. Are you like a lot of other people? Too busy with the kids, work, travel, social calendars, business calendars, the day, the night, this and that. Make the decision to be healthier. Just do it. Chad Austin has made a living from motivating people to stop excuses and make fitness a priority in their lives. Tune in every Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
a fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Moving Forward, Wellness One Step at a Time with Dr. Serena Wathwa. If you have a question or comment for the show today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to drserenawathwa at gmail.com. That's drserenawathwa at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. All right, and thanks for staying tuned with us. If you are just joining us, we're talking with Dr. Kimberly Lemke about the parental picture and wellness. And, you know, you gave this great um, analogy about parental wellness being um, like this pitcher and you know depending on the day it could be margaritas it could be lemonade I just Absolutely. I really like this analogy of course and <laughs> and you know just just kind of being able to assess um you know as a parent you know um being able to assess kind of how full that pitcher is and then kind of gauging the rest of your day depending on that and you know before we took this break one of the things that you mentioned is that parents really don't give themselves permission um, to not do certain things. And the the thing that came, the thought that came to mind for me was that how how do expectations fit with that or or parenting in general or or with this picture analogy? Can you talk a little bit about expectations? And you know, you brought up also this idea of internalized beliefs. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about all that. Sure. So the first thing when it comes to expectations, again, is, is we have to be aware of it. Most of us aren't aware. We just, we're creatures of habit and, and we just kind of do as we think we're supposed to do. So even to ask somebody what their expectations are for parenting, um, sometimes parents have never thought of that. So mm-hmm. even for them just to sit back for a moment and reflect on, gosh, I don't know, what, what do I expect of myself as a parent, and what did I see? What was I exposed to as a child? What what did I see my parents doing, or parents in the neighborhood doing? Or when I look at at my social group, um, what are my expectations for them as well in terms of parenting? And, and by asking those questions, a lot of times, you know, parents can start to um, identify what their own expectations are for themselves. And expectations, you know, examples can be really anything. It, it, you know, there, there's thoughts that parents you know, feel or think that uh, really disturb them. So some, even starting with infants, it's, you know, that I'm going to instantly feel attached to my child. Um, that doesn't necessarily happen all the time. So, you know, this kind of little being comes out and, and um, you know, we, we don't necessarily automatically attach. That doesn't make us poor parents. It doesn't make us bad parents. Um, that doesn't make us unloving. It's just there's a new life and we're in a new role and, and we're trying to figure out how to adapt to that. Um, and so that's an expectation people have. Um, there's expectations um, like there's going to be terrible twos or, oh my goodness, like I'm not going to be able to make it through the twos. Uh, I, I'm, I'm never going to let my child watch TV. TV's bad for them. Um, I will, you know, enjoy every stage of life because it goes by so fast. Uh, and, and that's just that's just not the case. Uh, we'd like to think that's the case, but more often than not, um, 
you know, how we, how we expect things to be are not how, how they end up being. You know, I have one example from a, uh, a dear friend who's probably listening, and, and I'll probably get a phone call later about this. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so I expect that. Um, <clears throat> but before I was going to have uh, my twins, I had called, and I had just said, you know, can you tell me what it's, what it's like to, to have uh, a, a baby and to what, it, what it's like to have kids because I hadn't had any. Um, and, and her response was, you know, Kim, it's like it's like Christmas morning every time you're with them. Um, now, I had worked enough with kind of postpartum parents and, and, you know, was a psychologist at that time, so knew that that didn't sound totally accurate, but <laughs> I thought, wow, all right, like, that sounds good to me. I like Christmas. So, you know, I, I, you know, I was looking forward to it. And, you know, the babies came and, and love them dearly and brought them home and and, and then it began, you know, then we have the, the stream at night <laughs> and, and up every, you know, one's up, the other one's asleep, one's up, the other one's asleep. And I, I just remember my husband and I one time, uh, it was probably about 2 a.m. and we had just laid back down after feeding one of the babies and the other one started to cry and we just looked at each other and we said, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. <laughs> and there might have been a, a, a not so nice word in there as well. Um, but, but, the, but the truth is, you know, it, it just didn't feel like Christmas, you know, and, and we were able to look at it and laugh at it. Um, but, but I think a lot of times, you know, that a lot of parents think that that's how it's going to feel, that every moment's going to feel like a gift or it's going to feel exciting. Um, and if that's the expectation, then when you get frustrated at your child because they're crying or um, when you don't understand what they need or they're not letting you sleep and, and you get angry or frustrated, then on top of the anger and frustration, parents then feel guilty about it. Um, and, and a lot of the time that I spend processing with my patients uh, in sessions are also um, you know, why is there guilt? You know, is it okay to to feel angry? Um, you know, is it is it okay to feel tired? Is it is it you know okay to you know at one point just not like your child? Um, and and all those things are so normal. And and I think you know parents don't talk about it because they're afraid of the stigma that's attached to it. Um, but all of that is so normal. And you know, I'm glad that you said that because I, I know that um, I've had clients too that have expressed similar feelings and oftentimes I've expressed to them that these are just normal feelings that you're experiencing because yeah. it's a it's a reaction that you're having to a a situation and that that doesn't make you a bad parent absolutely it's, it's just a it's it's a feeling that you're having to a situation and you know I'm very curious about that because like what you said there is that ex, it, it kind of fits in with with that expectation that you're um you're mentioning like you know, I mean, it sounds like there is then this expectation like, oh, I'll never have a bad feeling towards my child. Right. Kind of a thing. So, you know, for like listeners, you know, that are that are tuning in and, you know, are curious about how to um, move forward in their own parental wellness with this with this image of this picture and want to become more aware of their own um, expectations. I mean, obviously, um, you know, coming and talking with someone is, is something that they can do. Um, but what might be like a smaller step that they can start, uh, doing in that general direction? Sure. So I think one of the the main things and one of the most helpful things that, that I practice and, and that I truly try to have, you know, friends and, and patients practice is, 
setting realistic expectations. Um, And and so the the expectations that I often share with with patients who, you know, their expectation that they feel is realistic is, um, you know, I I want to get up and take a shower and get dressed and get ready and maybe have worked out but before the child wakes up and then I want to have, like, breakfast on the table and then I want to be able to eat and then have anybody ready to go shopping and then after we go. And and it just goes on and on and on. And and to them, they're thinking that that's a realistic expectation. So I really try to slow them down. Um, and, And I tell them and I share with them, that my expectations when I had my twins were I had three of them. Um, my three expectations for myself is that I had to put my contacts in for that day. <laughs> um, I had to change out of my night clothes. That didn't mean I have to be in nice clothes. It just couldn't be in the clothes I slept in. Um, nice. So I had to change out of, of whatever clothes I slept in, and I had to brush my teeth. And those three goals, as long as they were accomplished during that day, um, I felt good about. So very simple. It, very simple. And, and, and what happens is that the more success you feel and the, and the more you feel like you're accomplishing your goals, just the better it feels. So I, I always have patients, you know, I, I'll have them write down, um, you know, their goals. And I usually get, you know, at least about 15 items for the day. Um, and then I have them break those down farther and then break them down farther. And then, you know, we end up breaking it down to probably about, you know, about three goals or so to set. Um, and after they've broken it down and they've simplified it, they just feel better because it's doable. Um, and then they don't feel the, the anger at themselves or the guilt of themselves. And if they do those three things and it, it starts to become easy, then, then you add on another one. But you start out incredibly simple. Well, you know, and I'm just going to play a uh, devil's advocate here for sure. a minute because sure. I, you know, because I hear this often from, from people is that, you know, okay, you're talking about putting in my contacts, changing out of the clothes that I slept in and, and really like, okay, but those are things that I quote unquote should already be able to do. Right. So how, you know, like, like that is the expectation. So I need to be doing more than that. I mean, I'm already hearing this from people that, you know, they expect themselves to do more than that. Mm-hmm. And so how do you like work? Like, what do you suggest to listeners that are just like, oh, yeah, but, you know, I need to be doing more than that? You know, one of my kind of um, smart alecky questions is, well, how's that working for you? Um, you know, and, <laughs> and, and, and if it's working great, you know, well, typically you're not in my office if it's working great. Right. Um, but you know, you know, if even if you're if if you're a friend and you're calling me because you're you're stressed out, but you say yes, but there's so many other things that I should do and, and I can do, and you know, it sounds so basic, just still those things. And um, then I say, well, how's it working for you? And if you say, hey, it's going great, like I'm not stressed with all the things I've added on, my pitcher still feels about halfway full, then great, then, then add on more. Um, but, you know, if you, if, if you say, well, I should be doing this and I should be doing that, and just in doing it by the end of the day, you know, your pitcher is, you know, full to the top, um, then that's just a good indicator for you that it's not working for you. So if you can do all those things, more power to you. Um, go for it. it. But if it feels like, gosh, it's just, it's just stressful and it's just too much, then just step it back and, and be okay with yourself and allow yourself to kind of start simpler uh, and move forward. And, and I'll often kind of use the analogy of that uh, couch to 5K um, that so many people are aware of when it comes to kind of like if you're getting ready for, to run a 5K race. Um, okay. People are okay doing a couch to 5K program. They think it's absolutely appropriate 
inappropriate. Nobody feels like they should be able to go out and if they haven't run before and immediately be able to run a 5K or a marathon. People understand that that first day of couch to 5K, I might run for maybe a minute out of 30 minutes. Mm. Now, are there people who might be able to run all 30? Absolutely. Are there people who might not even be able to run that minute? Absolutely. But, but you start from kind of couch to 5K thinking where you start, you know, very easy. And then if you can work your way up, great. But allow yourself the room to do that as opposed to expect yourself to be able to do that right off the bat. And that's such a great analogy too, because oftentimes, you know, it's it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like learning any new skill. You don't go from zero to sixty, um, you know, in in well, in zero to sixty. You just right, kind right, of build right. up. It it is really just kind of building it up into that in increments, um, and really just kind of taking it one step at a time. And again, I think that's where, you know, society plays a role. You know, I think we see, you know, television programs and, and, and we just see, uh, you know, friends or family who all we see is a snippet. You know, we, we see, you know, if it's a television show, we see 30 minutes, although all that's manufactured. Or, you know, with a friend, we see, you know, maybe 20 minutes with them. And we think that this person, you know, hits the ground running and, and can do all those things. Um, but the truth is that when you see that parent out there who, let's say, is doing all the crafts with their child and you look at that person and go, well, gosh, my three goals are just to put my contacts in and change my clothes, you know, and, and um, this person's out you know, doing, uh, you know, right. letters by numbers and things like that with their kids, you don't know what all those other moments have looked like. So, you know, was this mom, you know, kind of in her lounging clothes up until that point? And, and that's her goal for herself is, you know, one 20 minute activity outside with the kids. And then maybe she allows herself the rest of the day to relax. Um, so I, I just always caution people to be, you know, very aware of, comparisons to other people because you really don't know what's really going on. And on that note, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Stay tuned. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. You read about it in health news every day. Cancer rates are going up. Obesity in the U.S. is on the rise. Heart disease and diabetes are top killers every year. We can follow the advice of our doctor, but cravings persist. Weight goes up and energy is still down. It doesn't have to be like this. Tune in for Body Balance Talk with your host, Jeannie Schmidt, along with Lucy and Madeline. You'll learn how you can work with your body to feel better and look better, too. Body Balance Talk airs live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. 
If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Moving Forward, Wellness One Step at a Time with Dr. Serena Wathwa. If you have a question or comment for the show today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Serena Wathwa at gmail.com. That's Dr. Serena W A D H W A at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. All right, and thanks for tuning in. And if you're just joining us, we are talking with Dr. Kimberly Lemke about the parental picture and wellness. And no, that's not a baseball term. That is a (laughs) term referring to this wonderful analogy about just uh, parental wellness and how to kind of keep your own sanity, basically, when it comes to parenting. Um, And so we kind of talked, you know, for the last couple segments about expectations and about really becoming aware of your own, um, where you're at day by day in terms of how full or how depleted you feel. And, you know, one of the things that um, I was curious about that may come into play into this is how do um, a parent's sense of who they are come into play in terms of how they parent their children? Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so kind of, you know, how does their own sense of self affect kind of how they're, uh, how they're parenting or seeing their children's behaviors? Right. Like if they don't feel like if they don't have a lot of self-confidence or if they, you know, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think they're directly related. I think that, you know, how we feel about ourselves as a parent colors not only our behaviors, but it colors uh, how we see our children's behaviors or how we, how we perceive them uh, to be. Um, so I, I always tell parents to make sure to kind of limit comparisons. I, I've mentioned that multiple times. It's just, it's so crucial. Um, there's that saying that uh, it takes a village to raise a child. Um, I think that's incredibly useful um, if the parent is using the village uh, to help with what they need help with. I, I think that if you're using the village to compare yourself as a parent to everybody else in the village, um, I think that that doesn't work out really well. well so, give an example I, of that. Yeah. So, you know, if, if let's say as a parent, uh, let's say the child is up all night and, and um, I'm tired. So okay. let's say I, I have somebody coming over to help. I need to identify what I need in that village or in that help that I'm getting. So, you know, I might say to that person, hey, I'm really tired. I, I just want to go, you know, lay down and, and, and take a nap if that's okay. Um, as opposed to if that person comes over and says, hey, you know, why don't, you know, we sit down and talk for a while. You probably haven't had a whole lot of um, adult conversation. or uh. You really have to identify what you need. And you say, you know, I, I really need time to just rest. Or 
let, let's say you do need that adult conversation and, and you have support that comes over and says, no, 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 go take a nap, go take a nap, um, that, that you voice and you say, no, I, I really need just adult conversation at this point. I really don't want to, to, to lay down or take a nap at this point. So, so I think you have to be able to identify what your needs are, and then you kind of use that, you know, figurative the village to, to help with that. But you do have to kind of identify what you need first. Well, see, now that's, that's interesting because, you know, as you were talking a little bit before about expectations and kind of, you know, giving yourself permission and allowing yourself to do certain things or not do certain things. I mean, there's really, excuse me, some connection with all of those things. And, and it sounds like, you know, that for some individuals or even some listeners that might be really difficult and challenging to do. Absolutely. And so, like, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and a lot of times what happens is that we're, we don't want to offend somebody else either, that they've come over to help. And and so, you know, we allow them to help the way that they feel they should be helping. Um, But I think it's really important for a parent to be able to really identify where they need help, what they need help with. And, you know, people come over to help. They they just want to help. And and I think if, if, if people were to start kind of, letting people know what their needs are and, and uh, kind of be a little bit more assertive with that, they would find that the people are more than happy to, to listen to that and, and help out the parents. And have you found, like, with parents that you've worked with, um, when you have helped them be able to voice, um, you know, or, or voice their needs and be able to assert what they needed. Have they generally found that to be the case? Absolutely. I, and not 100% of the time, though, to be honest. Of course. You, you, will, you might have some more difficult personalities who, who mm. might say, well, you know, I, I don't know how to do laundry or, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to do that. Or, right. um, you, and you might find that and that's okay. Right. Um, you, you still need to kind of express it. And if that person says, well, Hey, I don't, I don't know how to do laundry. Then you say, okay, no problem. Like I, you know, I'll, I'll sort of load in, but then maybe I need a nap is the next thing. And so, so you voice that. So, you know, 95% of the time, there's really no issue when somebody assertively asks for what they need. In those 5% of times when they do, typically what I find is that the other person just doesn't know how to do it, um, which is fine. And, and it's not a rejection. It's just I, I don't know how to do it. Um, and, and in which case, there's a million things parents need. You just kind of go to the next one on the list and see if you can get that one. So then it becomes really about that. And, you know, I really like the fact of how you said that, that it's not – it's not a personal thing. It, it's more of a skill thing yeah. that, you know, oh, oh, I don't know how to cook that or I don't know, I don't know how to clean hardwood floors or, you know, whatever the case may be. If there's something else you need to have done, maybe I could do that kind Absolutely. of a thing. And, and I think that's such an important thing. Absolutely. And, and so often we do take, we personalize things. A lot, yes, you know, yes, as a do. parent, we, we, you know, if somebody says something, we personalize it, you know, our, our child does something, we personalize it. And, and, and uh, you know, we ask somebody for help, they don't do it, we personalize it. And, and a lot of times, there's just not that intent behind it. Right. And, and if there is, and let's say there is somebody who doesn't want to do it, knows how to do it, and just doesn't want to do it. Well, you can't control that either. So, right. you, you know, if you ask, and, and they don't want to do it, and it, they know how, 
Well, you can't control that either. You can just control you. So at that point, you either, you know, pick the next thing or, you know, you say, all right, I, I can't control if they're going to do it or not. But, you know, is it helpful what this person wanted to do in the first place? And maybe you go with that. And, you know, so kind of going with, um, you know, and so going with that, do you think that that plays a part then in terms of, uh, like, you know, talking about um, not not taking it personally, not seeing it as rejection? Do you think that does play a part in how a parent sees themselves in terms of how they, how they parent? Absolutely. If you think of... Even if you think of an infant crying, parents internalize that an infant crying means that they're failing as a parent. Um, And and the truth is that there's just no other way for this infant to communicate. Um, Mm -hmm. Or sometimes the infant doesn't even know what they want. Um, But but what we do as a parent is that we take that and we internalize it and we we think we're failing as a parent because the baby's crying or, you know, I've changed them, I've fed them and... And, and they're still crying, and, and then we start to get worked up and, and anxious and, and angry and um, feel guilt, as opposed to, you know, just kind of normalizing, you know, that a baby cries, and not taking that on as, as proof that I'm failing, but as, as proof that a baby cries. And, and sometimes they just need to cry. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that goes on even, you know, if you look even past uh, infants, um, even if you look at school-age children, school-age children, depending on the age, you know, they, they, they push limits. Um, you know, you tell them, don't do this, and they look at you and they do it. Um, or, you know, <laughs> you, you have rules and they purposely don't follow them. Um, and a lot of times we, we look at that as a parent, we're like, what are we doing wrong? Or, you know, what's wrong with my child? Or, gosh, I'm not a good parent. I did not teach my child how to follow directions, so therefore I'm a bad parent or I'm failing as a parent. Uh, and, and so we kind of take that child's behavior and we internalize it as, as proof of, see, we're not doing the right thing. Um, and I think what we have to do as parents is we have to look at it and we have to normalize it um, as it's, it's kids following normal and healthy developmental milestones. Your school-age child should be pushing limits. Um, now, again, as a mother of three-and-a-half-year-old twins, I don't like it. <laughs> I wish they wouldn't do it as much. Um, but, but, but I look at that when I say, you know, no, and, and, and they do it. You know, I, I look at them, again, as, as pushing limits to try to get a better sense of themselves, kind of who they are in this world. And, and kids really push limits because they, they need to learn and they want to learn what happens if I don't listen. And, and so they push those boundaries and they push those limits because they need to learn that. And they, because they feel safe with you as a parent, they push those limits and, and they trust that the consequence that's going to come is going to be a fair, uh, uh, I don't want to say kind, but, you know, a, a fair, loving response um, because they trust you to do that. So they trust that, you know, if they push a limit and, he, and they yell, or, and you yell, that's not you failing as a parent. That, that's you, you know, trying to teach your child again, you know, when you push this limit, yeah, you make mommy angry or you make daddy angry. Um, and then there's a consequence for that. And so the idea here is that, so that's one example of, 
a normal development milestone is that school-age children are going to push limits yeah. and they're going to test boundaries and they're going to um, see how far they could push the envelope. And that doesn't, that doesn't mean that you as a parent are doing anything wrong. It's more about them having to go through this milestone, having to learn what happens when they do this. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And so on that note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Stay tuned. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. The largest syndicated alternative health talk program has come to the Voice America Network. The Dr. Bob Martin Show is the program that will answer your health questions and help you to heal your own body of many different ailments. Each week, you'll hear the answers that Dr. Bob gives to his callers that help them to be their own doctor most of the time. We'll also discuss developments on the health care front and what you need to do to keep your body in top form. The Dr. Bob Martin Show airs Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Moving Forward Wellness One Step at a Time with Dr. Serena Wathwa. If you have a question or comment for the show today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Serena Wathwa at gmail.com. That's Dr. Serena W A D H W A at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. All right, and welcome back. Thanks for joining us. We're talking with Dr. Kimberly Lemke about the parental picture and wellness. And right before we went to break, you started talking about. Um, Normal developmental milestones. And, you know, one of the ones that you had talked about is with school-age children, you know, that that they are going to, you know, kind of push the boundaries um, with parents and that that is normal. And it doesn't represent that parents are necessarily doing anything wrong and that there is going to be consequences and then that's okay. Absolutely. And what are some other uh, normal developmental milestones that parents um, need to be aware of? The one that I think is, is very difficult for parents are, are when children start um, becoming more individual persons, kind of being their own their own little being. So how that might look is, you know, they get they go to school and they don't want that hug before they go into class, or um, you know, they they go to school and you know the other kids are um, sad because they they miss their mom and uh, and their dad and. For some reason, you know, you see your child and your child's just like, you know, bye, you know, see you later. And, and then, we, then we kind of personalize that and we feel rejected as a parent. We think, oh, my gosh, you know, they're, they're not attached to me or they're not connected to me or um, those sort of things. And, and what's important to remember is, is that it's not rejection. Your, your child is, is on their own path to become their own person. And that's kind of your job as a parent is, is to help your child grow so that they have a better sense of who they are um, and, and eventually kind of be able to live their own life, do their own thing, and find their own, uh, you know, individuality. But as a parent, sometimes we see those things as rejecting. Um, you know, for adolescents who, uh, you, you know, 
refuse to say, oh, this is my mom or acknowledge that this is my dad or, um, <laughs> you know, like if you say, you know, this is important to me, they do a- absolutely the opposite of that. Yeah. Or, you know, they, you say, I want you to, you know, you know, wear this. And they say, you know, I'm not wearing a coat to school ever, even if it's snowing and my limbs are falling off. Um, <laughs> you know, th- that's, that's part of how they're, you know, individualizing and becoming their own self. And, and we have to kind of respect that as they get older, that peer group really does play one of the most important roles to them because that peer group decides who's in, who's out, um, what's cool, what's not. Um, and I, I think of things as, as like a ping pong table when it comes to parenting that, um, you know, when, when children are littler, you know, the, the table is a lot narrower for the out-of-bounds behaviors that, you know, there's, there's just a, a narrower space for them to be able to move in because of kind of safety reasons. Um, but they're still out-of-bounds zones. As they get older and as they get bigger, um, the table kind of widens. And we don't, I don't necessarily um, find it important that kids always get why we're setting limits or why we're setting rules, um, but, but that they respect what the rules are and that we have a consequence in place um, if that rule isn't followed. Um, and then you just kind of give them more space and more space, and, and they will test those out-of-bounds limits. And, and your job is to kind of keep calling it when they go out-of-bounds, um, but also kind of educating them when they go out-of-bounds um, and, and just kind of keep playing with them throughout this, this game of life that they're going through. So can you give an example then of what what that may look like, like a realistic um, uh milestone of that kind of behavior and what it may look like for an adolescent that's pushing that and an out-of-bounds behavior and a consequence. What what might that look like? So, you know, a parent who's listening in might be like, oh, yeah, okay, so this is normal. It's, yeah. I'm not doing this wrong. Well, chances if you've ever heard things like, you know, I hate you, you're the worst parent ever, um, nobody else's parents are like this, you're probably oh. doing the right thing. Um, uh, hey! <laughs> <laughs> so there you news. go. <laughs> <laughs> that's good news all around. Um, so, so a realistic example could be, let's say, for your home, for the age of your child, that your um, uh, uh, curfew is 10 p.m. And so you say to the child, they need to be home by 10 because you set that as your limit because you know Usually after 10, no good things happen um, for, for a certain age group. So what happens is, you know, you set that limit and your, you know, let's say 15-year-old goes out, he's having fun or she's having fun, um, and, you know, it's 10 o'clock and they think, well, hey, it's 10, nobody else's is 10, so I'm not coming home. Um, and so what they do is, let's say they come in the door at 10.20. Um, at that point they've kind of violated that boundary. You've said 10, um, and they've chosen, and understandably so, you know, they want to they fit in, they want to have more fun. Um, so they've chosen to stay past that. As opposed to, you know, internalizing that and feeling as rejected as, oh, my gosh, he's not following my rules, and why not? Um, to just say, I get it. Like, you're testing to see if you don't listen to the rules, what happens? Um, in, in which case, and the consequence is, it, it could be something like, you know, for each minute late, um, is the amount of time that I'm going to take your uh, smartphone tomorrow. Um, and oh. trust me, every minute to an adolescent feels like years uh, in terms of any sort of electronic device. Um, so, you know, <laughs> if they come in 20 minutes late, you know, you say, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold your phone for 20 minutes. Um, it sounds like a little bit of time, but that teenager, trust me, will not like that. And then what happens is they start to learn, well, gosh, all right, I need to be in the house by 10. I don't get it. I don't like it. 
they're unfair. Like, out of the world's worst parents, they'll probably tell you that. Um, yet I know I have to be in that house at 10. Um, and, and that's really all you can do as a parent. And, and them pushing that limit isn't them rejecting you as a parent or that you haven't raised a child who has good values or morals or ethic. It, it's just they're testing those limits. And that's a really great example because then you're also teaching that child too, it sounds like that they're making these choices based on, you know, what's important to them and kind of evaluating, you know, how they are going to, um, you know, prioritize things. Yes. And, yes. and, and that's... And yeah. I always say, too, if that a consequence is not working, it's not the right consequence. You know, parent, I hear, I hear very, very frequently, like, my kid doesn't respond to charts, or my kid's too smart for this, or, um, and, and really the truth is you just haven't found the thing that's, I call it the golden nugget. It's the thing that when, when you hold it up as the consequence, they say, oh, okay, mom or dad's serious. They've got the golden nugget, and then you'll just kind of see behaviors fall more in line. Um, but it's not necessarily that uh, it's not working. It's just that you haven't found that golden nugget yet. Okay. So we've got a, a, just a couple minutes left. Um, I'm wondering if you can give maybe a suggestion or two about um, some ways that parents can decrease the amount of stress in their picture. Sure. I think first you have to be aware of the, the amount of time you have to do this, right? So if, if, if you have a newborn infant, the amount of time you're going to have to, to practice stress relief for you is different than, let's say, if you have you know, an adolescent child in school in your home. Um, so you have to, again, just like we talked about realistic expectations with our key, you have to have realistic realistic expectations about uh, things you can do for your stress. So you know, things like even just taking a deep breath, uh, you know, in through the nose, you know, out through the mouth for five. Um, people say take baths. I have no idea when my kids are three and a half. I have never had a chance to take a bath. Um, so, you know, I, I, I take a shower and, and what I do is, is, you know, I go to a store and I get a, a body lotion or I get a body wash that smells good to me, that's relaxing for me. And even if I only have a two-minute shower, then I'm still taking care of me by using that kind of fragrance lotion or that, you know, fragrance body wash. So I get a couple minutes in there of, of kind of pouring some stress out of my pitcher. Um, other examples, uh, if, if you like tea or coffee, you know, drink it warm. Um, you know, a lot of times you're running around, it gets cold, warm it back up and, and drink some warm tea or coffee. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a fan of with cell phones now, you can set reminders on those phones and set reminders that send you positive messages. So, you know, maybe at, you know, 9 a.m. and let's say 2 and 10, if those are your difficult times, then, you know, your phone just automatically sends you a message that, that says you did a great job today or, um, you know, you're a great parent or this is difficult or um, those sort of things. So reminders on phones, you know, listening to music is, is good if, if it's the music you like. So maybe try to put it on the background if you're reading them a book. Um, you know, if you have more time, the things that I consider kind of like bigger dumps out of the picture are going to be like, you know, manicure, manicure or taking time to read or, uh, you know, work out or um, massages, those sort of things. Those take time, though, which a lot of parents don't have. Um, and so let me, I just got to interrupt because we've only got a few seconds left. Sure, <laughs> so sure. lots of information that we covered. So if listeners want to contact you or connect with you to get more information, what are some ways that they can do that? 
They can email me at drkimberlylemke at yahoo.com. So it's dr. period Kimberly Lemke, L-E-M-K-E at yahoo.com. Or they can go to the website for my book at www.parentsrules.com. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And listeners, uh, join us next week as we talk to Marie Murad Feldman about the messages you tell yourself. And have a great weekend. Thanks, everyone. Thanks again for making the first of hopefully many changes this week by tuning in to Moving Forward, Wellness One Step at a Time. Dr. Serena Wadwell hopes that you'll join her again next Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a great week.